Well, today we're continuing with the theme we talked about last week uh, as we focus on the subject that we're calling prayer power. Now, in case you weren't here last week or just a quick recap of uh, what we talked about last week, what we learned last week, uh, we talked about uh, praying uh, big and specific Bold, faith-filled prayers. Uh, And we talked about the fact that uh, Paul, in his writings, we see often as he would begin one of his letters, he would make reference to the fact that he was praying for the group of people he was writing to or the individual that he was writing to. And we saw a a pattern develop in Paul's prayer life uh, as he prayed. He would often pray for something very specific, excuse me, he would pray for something specific, and then you would see uh, the words, so that, and he would pray for something specific, and then he would pray for the end result or the fruit of what his prayer uh, could possibly bring to the group of people or the individual. For last, for example, last week we saw him pray. He said, I pray that you would be filled with power so that Christ may dwell in your heart. And we focused last week on praying for power, praying big prayers, praying bold prayers, praying specific prayers, praying that God's power would... uh, come and work in and through our lives so that we could be the people that He has called us to be. And so I want to encourage you as you pray, continue to pray for that power to be unleashed in your life, for that power uh, in your kids' lives, for that power in your grandkids' lives. And again, I, I think it's so important that from time to time as the church, we go back and we focus on prayer because prayer is the connection that brings us the power of God to work in our lives and uh, around us. Uh, And the reason that I think it's important that we uh, focus and remember uh, about the, the power of prayer is because often when you look at our prayer lives and how we pray and how often we pray, uh, sometimes our prayer life is just filled with these very safe, uh, general idea type uh, prayers that aren't even uh, really a challenge for our all-powerful God. And uh, the God who promised to every single one of us through His Word that all things are possible with Him and through Him. Nothing is impossible. But yet we pray these generalized prayers. God be with me today. God bless me today. God bless this Big Mac to the nourishment of my body. Right? And so today I want us to look at another specific prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. And uh, this is huge in light of what we've been talking about over the past several weeks in Uh, the series that we did prior to this. But before we get to our text, I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about it. I want you to be honest uh, about it. But if there was a specific prayer 
that you could pray for other followers of Jesus, what would it be? If there was a specific prayer that you could pray for the other Christians in our church and in our world, what would your prayer be? Would it be that God would bless them? Would it be that God would protect them and keep them safe? Would that prayer be that God would heal them? If there was a specific prayer that you could pray for the other believers that are in this room with you this morning, what would that prayer be? Well, today I hope to answer that question and to give you some ideas and maybe bring a little... uh, um, Wow, I had the word, then I lost the word. Um, But maybe uh, it would change the way that we pray for one another when we pray for one another. Because what we're going to see here is that Paul prays that his good friend a fellow follower of Christ, a man who is very faithful to the church, Paul prays specifically for him that he would be active in sharing his faith. And before we get to our text this morning, I think it's important that we have a little background about this letter that Paul has written to uh, Philemon, Philemon, <laughs> I will never say his name right again the rest of this service, just so you know. Philemon, 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 Philemon. Sometimes I have to spell out the way that things say, and I obviously didn't do that here. But this is actually a personal letter that the Apostle Paul has written to his good friend here. Uh, This letter was written to a person, not a church or a group of people like we sometimes see. And history tells us that Paul's friend uh, was a successful businessman. He would have been very blessed. He would have been a wealthy man who was having church and hosting the church in his home. This was something we saw uh, in our previous series, that the, the more wealthy people would uh, typically host or house a church in their home because their home would, would be bigger, it could accommodate more people. And, and Philemon was uh, one of these men that it was very successful, and he was hosting and having the church there in his home. And back in these times, we all know that Uh, The wealthy and uh, uh, those that could afford it owned slaves in their time. And so it was very common. And we know uh, that one of Philemon's slaves had ran away. Had ran away from Philemon and his uh, place there. And the slave's name, and I'll butcher this one too, the slave's name that had ran away was Onesimus. And Onesimus had ran away, and he had ran so far away, he had gone, actually found his way to Rome. And as fate would have it, he ran into the Apostle Paul while he was there 
in Rome. Now, we don't know all the details about that, but what we do know is that Paul had an opportunity to lead Onesimus to the Lord. He had an opportunity to share with him uh, about the good news of Jesus Christ and to invite him into a relationship with Jesus, and Onesimus was saved. And his life, we talk about the transformation that takes place in a life when someone receives Christ, that God begins to change their way of thinking. He begins to change their heart. It's not always done all in an instant, but the process begins. And so the process began in Onesimus' life. He's transformed, and he begins to think differently. His heart begins to think differently, and he's like, I need to do what's right, and I need to go back to Philemon. I need to go back to him because it was not right for me to have run away. And so I need to go back, and I need to make things uh, right. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon. And basically what he's doing in this letter is he's vouching for the change that has taken place in Onesimus, uh, this change that he has experienced through his salvation experience in accepting Christ. And Paul is basically saying this, Philemon, uh, I want you to know and I want you to understand that Onesimus is different now. He, he's not the same slave that you knew that ran away and did you wrong. He, he's different now. Jesus has changed his life, and he wants to come back to you, and he wants to make things right. And Paul uh, writes to Philemon, and he tells him, and I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him back, not just as your slave, but I want you to receive him back as your brother in Christ, as a fellow believer in the church, in the body of Christ. And so Paul is writing this heartfelt, emotional plea to his friend on behalf of this slave whose life has been changed. So now that we know the background, I want to pick it up at verse 4, now that we understand the context of what's taking place here, and see what else Paul says to his friend and what he's praying for his friend. And he says, starting there in verse 4, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. And then he says he thanks him for two reasons. He said, one, I thank God for you because I hear about your love for all of his holy pe people. The second reason he says, I thank God for you is because of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, I, I want you to think about this. I, I, I thank God, Philemon, because I'm hearing that you really love the people of the church. I, I'm thankful because I hear that, that you understand that you've been blessed to be a blessing and that you're a blessing there in the church and you're a blessing by allowing the church to meet there in your home. And I thank God for that. I also thank God because of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you have accepted Him and you know Him as your Lord and Savior. Then in verse 6, this is what Paul prays. 
He says, I pray that you may be what? Active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. He says, Philemon, you're my Christian friend. You're my brother in Christ, and I'm praying that you will be active in sharing your faith with others. Why? So that you will fully understand every good thing that you have in Christ. So why did he pray this? Well, again, so that Philemon would have a full understanding of every good thing that he has in Christ. Now, I want you to think about it. The slave runs away. He somehow runs into the Apostle Paul. And what are the chances of that happening, right? Pretty good, I'd say, because all things are possible with God. Paul shares the gospel with him. He receives Christ. He accepts him as his Lord and his Savior. And again, we don't know all the details around this, but somehow Paul either knows uh, this slave or he finds out through their meeting that he was a slave of Philemon. I want you to pay close attention to this because this has been very convicting to me as I study it. Paul knows that Philemon is hosting a church in his house, right? He's a church man through and through. He's opening his home so that the church can meet. And so if Philemon is having church in his house, why has this slave not already heard about Jesus and been shared the gospel so that he could receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, don't miss this. Evidently, Philemon is a good Christian man, right? But yet someone who is always around him has not been introduced to his Savior and his faith. And so Paul writes to him, and he says, Dear Philemon, I thank God that I hear about your faith in Jesus. I thank God for the love that you show the saints of the church. I love it that you are really loving on some Christian people there. But don't miss this. Don't forget to share your faith. Especially with those that you are around every single day. I'm praying for you that you will share your faith. And what Paul is pointing out here is so true to, I believe, most of us here today. One of the most dangerous places for a Christian to be is a place to where we're only looking inward. And we have an inward view of Christianity instead of looking outward. It's not just about loving 
other Christians. It's about loving those who aren't Christians, who I like to call pre-Christians or the Onesimuses in our lives. Being a Christian isn't about staying away from the world, saying that, you know what, the world is all bad, so I'm just going to stay away from those people. We would never say that out loud, would we? We would never say that in the church, that I'm going to go out from here and I'm going to do my dead level best to try to be a good little Christian and I'm going to stay away from those people. And you know who those people are. They're the ones that watch R-rated movies and listen to rock and roll music, right? You know who they are, those people. Christians listen to country music. We all know that. But as Christians, we can't just ignore the people around us who don't believe what we believe or don't believe at all. And again, the last thing that Jesus said before he went back to heaven was not, Christians, go into your houses and stay there. He didn't say, take your faith. And this great news of what I've done for the world and keep it to yourself within the walls of your church. He said, go into the world and let your light shine. Go into the world and preach the good news. Go into the world and share your faith. Make disciples out of them. Make disciples out of the Onesimuses in your life. He said you're either uh, he said that we are the salt of the earth. He said that we are to be the light of the world, which means this: don't run from the darkness, but Christian, shine into the darkness. Shine the light into the darkness of this world. But the problem is, is that so many Christians think today that just because they have been saved, they're good. We've talked about it before. I've been saved. I'm good. I've done the hard work. I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm going to just try to get through this life. Trying to keep from tripping or stumbling as I go. And the church, when we begin to have that way of thinking, the church, the body of Christ, starts getting distracted like we saw the church doing there in Corinth. And they begin to get focused on the wrong things because they begin to focus on everything about them and themselves. And that's when they start arguing over dumb things like what songs we ought to be singing. Or we argue over what this verse means to us versus what this verse means to you. And because you don't agree with what I think this verse says, you're wrong. I'm drawing a line. You're a Baptist. I'm a Nazarene. (laughs) I mean, is that not what's happened? I'm not dissing on the Baptists. I I once was one. I was raised in the Baptist church, and so I can diss on the Baptist if I want to, but I'm not. I'm dissing on all of us because sometimes we get distracted 
and we do things that don't really make a lot of sense. Why would we divide ourselves up when we are one body of Christ that have been placed here on this earth for such a time as this to build the kingdom of God and win the Onesimuses in this world? It's easy to start focusing on us instead of focusing on them. And you can almost hear Paul saying, don't do that, Philemon. Be active. I'm praying. I, I'm thankful. Don't, don't, miss, don't miss me, Philemon, here. I, I'm thankful for how you love on the people of the church. I'm thankful that you're hosting the church. I'm thankful for your faith. But I'm praying that you'd be active in sharing your faith with the Onesimuses that are around you. And here's the deal. We probably all would agree with what Paul is saying here. None of us are mad about it. Nobody's mad yet, right? I mean, we would all agree that, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's what the Word says. That's what the church has been called to do. And so we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't disagree with any of that. But let me ask you this. Over the past week, how many people have you actively shared your faith with? How many Onesimuses have you come in contact with this past week that still don't know about Jesus? They don't know whether you're a Christian or not. They don't know anything about your faith. We all know it's important. We all know that Jesus said, go, make disciples. We know that that's what we're supposed to be doing. If we are his followers. So why don't we do it more often? Why aren't we actively sharing our faith? Well, as I ask that question, I begin to think about some of the reasons why maybe we are not as active in sharing our faith as we probably should be. And the first thing that I came up with right off the top of my head was this. We are so busy. We are so busy. Y'all, I know you've got a lot going on. I understand because I talk to people all the time, especially when we start asking people for volunteers or, or we, you know, ask for help in a certain area. Everybody just has a lot going on. And we are just, we're just staying focused on, you know, I'm staying focused on my calendar because I put everything in my calendar. And then I get off my calendar and I go to my notes section and there's a to-do list. And it's never ending. I mean, it's just constantly there. And so I'm just going from one thing to another like my head's on fire and it's catching. <laughs> None of y'all ever heard my daddy say that phrase the wrong way. Um, but his head was on fire and something else was catching. But um, that's how we go through life. And we're so busy that actively sharing our faith doesn't even hit our radar most days. A am I wrong? It's just me. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I should resign. Uh, but life happens. And we get distracted. We forget the importance and the urgency that there are Onesimuses 
are right around us every single day that don't know Christ. And we're so busy that we just forget. We don't have the time. We don't make the time. Uh, another reason, as I was thinking about this, why we might not be as active in sharing our faith as we should, is because we don't want to feel like we're forcing our beliefs onto someone else. We don't want to be that weird person that everybody runs from when we walk in the break room, right? And I use that term, we don't want to come across like we're forcing our religion on other people. But I had a conversation. Uh, some of you know, if you ever come to the early service, and I've talked about this before, uh, Kevin McNabb comes to the early service. And he catches me every week before I get off the platform, and we have a conversation about the message. He'll often give me ideas. He'll say, have you ever thought about this? And, and we were talking about the fact that we're afraid to force salvation on someone. But in the world that we live in, that terminology for forcing something on someone is really way out of line. Because just because we share our faith or we share what we think does not mean that we're forcing that on someone else. And you think about a house fire, and we, we were talking about this. They said that sometimes a, a child, if a house catches on fire, a, a child won't know what to do. And so they'll just go to a corner and they'll curl up. And someone has to physically go in and get them and drag them out. They forcefully save them. That's forcing someone's salvation on them. Sharing Jesus, talking about our faith, telling our story of faith, telling our story of forgiveness, telling my story about who I was and what He brought me out of, that's not forcing anything on anybody. That's just telling my story of my Savior. So we're not forcing anything on anybody. Uh, another reason that I think we're hesitant to actively share our faith is because I, I think sometimes we feel like we just don't know enough about the Bible. And if we start talking about Jesus and start talking about our faith with people, uh, other people, that they might ask us some questions that we can't answer. Because we don't understand it all. We can't answer all the questions, right? And, and so I'm just not going to bring this up because I know that person is really, really smart. And they're going to ask me some questions that I can't answer. And so we feel like if we knew more, if we were more educated, then we'd probably do more. But that's not what Paul is saying here. I want to look at verse 6 again. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? so that you will have a full understanding. I want you to actively share your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. He's showing us through this prayer that when you share your faith, what happens? You understand more. The more you share your faith, 
the more of an understanding you're going to have about who Christ is and what He's done in your life. You're going to have a better understanding of that. Now, now don't miss this. Paul is praying that we should constantly do what? Constantly share our faith in Jesus. Why? So that something good will happen. Share your faith in Jesus. Be active in sharing your faith for Jesus. So that something good will happen. Lives are impacted. Lives are changed. And oh, by the way, your life will be changed when you are actively sharing your faith as well. You know, and it may be that, that you're planting a seed. I, I'll never forget when I first started going in youth ministry. And uh, I, I'll just call his name and share with you here. Kent Britton, uh, who became a very dear friend of mine. Uh, they had hired him at Conway First Church to be the youth pastor there. And Kent's a little older than me, and, and so he'd been doing youth ministry, and I'm just getting my start in youth ministry. Uh, we had a, a common friend uh, that had introduced us and taken us to lunch together, a good friend of mine, Ben Spangler. Some of you knew him, passed away way too young. But Ben brought me and Kent together. And Kent began to mentor me, and I began to go to Kent and ask questions and, and, and get advice. And some of the best advice he ever gave me, and I've passed this on to countless other teachers and, and, and youth workers uh, since Kent shared it with me. He said, just remember this, you're just planting seeds. You've been called to plant the seeds. Don't get discouraged if you don't ever get to see them grow, don't get, get discouraged if you're not around to see the fruit, to see the harvest. Your calling is to plant seeds in young people's lives. And, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of youth ministers don't stay around at the church where they planted seeds and they don't get to see the fruit of planting the seeds years and years before, but I've been blessed to be able to be here long enough to be able to see some of the fruit and some of the growth. And I've seen those very kids that I planted seeds in their heart come back to this church with their families, and now we're planting the seeds in their kids' hearts. Friends, we're seed planters we're to go out and scatter seed. We're not responsible for the growth. We're not responsible for where it lands, where it lies, what it does after that point. We've been called to go actively sow seed and to plant seed. Or maybe to come along and help water some seed that was maybe planted in their hearts as a child at vacation Bible school or church camp or a youth group. But God will make a difference in people's lives when you are actively sharing your faith and planting seeds. And as you're doing that, something else really cool is happening and taking place. As you share your faith, you actually begin to get a better understanding of the goodness that he is to you 
Suddenly, you're sharing your faith, and you're growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus. You're sharing your faith, and you're falling more in love with Him every day as you share and tell that story of what He's done for you. You're understanding more and more what it means to walk with Him and to be led by Him. And that leads to you wanting to share your faith even more. And then, you know what? It just kind of becomes a cycle. It just becomes a part of of who we are. Share your faith with others. Get closer to God. The closer you get to God, the more you want to share it with others. And it just keeps happening. Keeps happening. The work in our life as we actively share our faith. But sadly, we feel like we don't know enough. That we're somehow not ready. We're not good enough. We're so busy. And we don't share our faith at all. And because of that, our very own lives are not being impacted. Because we're just doing our own little inward-looking Christian thing. And because of that, We don't grow spiritually in a deeper understanding of Christ. And I want you to keep praying for power. But today I want us to add something new to our prayer list that we pray for. And I'm trying to give you some big and some specific things to put on your prayer list. And today I want you to add this. We're praying for power and we are praying for other believers that we love that we would all actively share our faith. Pray that for your teenagers. Pray that for your six-year-old. I'll never forget, you you know, sometimes we think, all kids are too young, they can't lead anybody to Christ. You know, we just need to raise them so that when they get older, they can lead somebody to Christ. I'll never forget um, my boys... uh, Six, seven, eight range. I don't know. It's, it's when uh, people are the most fanatical about sports in their kids' lives because they haven't really understood that their kid is not going to be a major leaguer yet. You know, at the age of six, seven, eight years old, they're all going to the majors, right? I mean, they're all on equal ground at that point. Uh, I just knew, you know, uh, God was going to pass down my genes of playing sports and my brown eyes and dark hair to my kids, uh, they didn't get any of that. We probably should have a DNA test done. I don't even know. But they were playing ball. Uh, long story short, they were playing ball. And they were playing ball with some kids whose families didn't go to church. Um, and so there were opportunities from time to time that we would pick up some of these other boys and we'd give them a ride to ball practice or or give them a ride to the game, or ride home, or whatever. And so we got to know some of these young men. And the boys, we, we gathered and prayed every single night, uh, up until our boys went to college. If they were home, uh, we all uh, piled up in uh, mine and Lynette's bed. It's a queen-size bed. When they were small, it was easy. Uh, when they were 6'2", 250, it was a, it was a pile. But, uh, but we always came together. 
uh, and we spent a time of devotion and prayer together before we'd go to bed. And they began to talk about their friends they played ball with that, did you know that they don't go to church? Their, their parents don't take them to church. Their mom and dad's not married. Uh, you know, they, they, they're at their dad's one weekend. They're at their mom's the next weekend. And, and, and so they, they don't ever go to church. And so we just told the boys, invite them to our church. You start telling them about Jesus, and you invite them to our church. And so there was this one little uh, boy that I remember in particular that we started bringing to church with us. And one day, uh, the boys came home from school, and, and uh, I was the official car rider line guy because Lynette was a teacher and principal. And so uh, she was at one end of the car rider line. I was at the far other end of it. And uh, I picked them up one day, and they were like, Dad, today, you know what happened today? And I said, what's that? And they said, we led Kyle to the Lord, and he got saved today. Seven-year-old leading another seven-year-old to Christ? Folks, none of us are too young, and none of us are too old to actively plant seeds and share our faith. So you pray for our teenagers that they'll actively share their faith. You pray for our six, seven, eight-year-olds, those back there in kids' church today, that they'll actively share their faith. Pray for your spouse that they'll share their faith. Pray for your pastors Pray for the other Christians that you work with that are facing some of the same struggles, same obstacles, same challenges about should I be doing this or not doing this? It's work. Where do we draw the line? Pray for them. Pray for those in your small group. Pray for the ones in your Sunday school class. Pray for your pastor. Pray for you. You. That we would all actively share our faith in Jesus. Because when you do, when they do, when I do, we all will have a better understanding of the good thing that we have in Christ. Will you start praying this? Will you join me in praying this for one another? Will y'all just pray that for one another? And you probably don't know everybody's name in here, but I believe uh, God's big enough to know that if you say, I want to pray for those other weird Nazarenes I go to church with, God, he'll go, oh, I know the bunch, the ones in Greenbrier. Right? I pray that they would be active in sharing their faith. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you begin to pray this. I'm going to tell you exactly what will happen, I believe, with all my heart. You know, we've been asking ourselves this question for several weeks. Who is your one? Today, can I ask you, who is your Onesimus? Who is that one that you're around on a pretty regular basis and 
you don't know much about them at all, and you don't know if they have faith in Christ at all, and you don't know if they've ever even heard of Jesus at all. Who is your one? Who is your Onesimus? And as we begin identifying who that is, as we begin praying about who that is, and that we should actively be sharing our faith, I believe that God is going to put us in some situations to plant some seeds. And I believe He will blow our minds if we can all get united, if we can all get on the same page, understanding, oh, we got to quit looking inward at what's going on in here and start looking outward at what's going on out there, out there. And I believe if we will earnestly and sincerely pray this prayer to actively share our faith, I believe God's going to answer that prayer. And I believe we will see the goodness of God and we will see the fruit of our labor and our faithfulness and obedience to Him. And so join me in praying every day. God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give my children an opportunity to share their faith. Give my spouse an opportunity today to share their faith. Give the others in our church an opportunity to share their faith in our community and wherever they go this coming week. Why? So that we will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. And we'll have an outward focus instead of an inward focus. And so I invite you to join me in those prayers this week so that we'll all have a full and better understanding of who He is but most importantly, we'll be obedient in His command to us to go make disciples. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I just come before you this morning and I pray for every follower of Jesus that's in this place, every follower of Jesus that may be listening to this online. God, you know I dearly love this church, and I dearly love the people in this church. And God, because I love them the way that I do, I pray for them that they would actively share their faith. And God, I want to thank you in advance for those that are going to come to know you as a result of these prayers that we're going to start praying. I pray that before this day ends that we would have an opportunity to represent you. That we would have an opportunity to serve someone else on your behalf. That we would have an opportunity to love someone the way that you love us. To encourage someone. In your name. 
I pray that you would put us in situations to listen to someone who's hurting and then point them to the hope that they can have in you. So God, again, I pray, give us the eyes to see, give us the ears to hear, and a heart to know when the time is right to share your love so that lives will be changed, so that my life would be changed, and that I would continue to grow in the understanding of every good thing that I have in you. Thank you for what you're doing here today. I thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead as we walk out of here shining your light into the darkness of this world. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. God bless you all. I do dearly love you, and I hope you have a great week. Be active in sharing your faith this week.